I, yeah, I'm not a socialist. So I'm not used to I'm those. I'm a feature socialist. <laughs> You're a feature socialist. <laughs> listening to the iteration station okay. all right so do we have a topic today no topics we should introduce courtney our first guest our first guest ever on the iteration station courtney what an honor it is for you Thanks for having me. <laughs> to, to, to be part of the iteration station 2.0. And and the first in studio. Yes. Recording. No. They all used to be in studio. In this studio. In this studio. The first in, this, in studio. the studio recording of the iteration station live with one Courtney. Do you want your last name to be associated with this? Oh, I don't know. Yours was last week, by the way. You doxed yourself. Uh, totally. Yes. Uh, Courtney Bilski. <laughs> Great, Courtney's here. You know what, Courtney? Let's do this because I, I, we normally with our guests we like to do this at the end of the episode. Most of our listenership falling off by then. Yeah. What I want to know: What are you plugging today? You got Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Shopify. What have you got? Oh, this is a serious question. Yeah. What are your socials? Where can we find you on the internet? On the internet? Mm, well, yeah, I'm I'm on the Facebook. I do not do Twitter. Gosh, you can find me on LinkedIn. There you go. LinkedIn Perfect. it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. We're going to have several pregnant pauses throughout the Oh, yes. Because of our lack of preparedness. Yeah. Which brings me to our topic of the show. P.I. planning. P.I. planning. No, P- not P.I. Pre-P.I. Pre- planning. planning. You'll get a slide and a half on it in all your certification courses. No one knows how to do it. And the advice is always, eh, just do the right amount. Yeah. And I think that's some BS. We can do better than that, Brett. I think so. All right. I'm going to plug a book that I didn't write or have any association with. And have it read. No. I I actually have read this one. This one's good. Front front to back? It is. Yes. uh, It's The Art of Avoiding a Train Wreck. It's endorsed by SAFE, and it basically undoes 90% of what SAFE tells you to do. Uh, It is the, like, here's what the SAFE documentation says. Here's what we actually do. It works way better than what SAFE says to do. Uh, so I would say before you get into the safe documentation about pre-PI planning. Well, there's very little, but yeah. Yeah. Then uh, that book is great. They talk about feature socialization and things like that. Oh, feature socialization. That we That's what we need. We need more of that. Yeah? That's what... You got, you got PMs, you got POs, and they're all just talking about their, their thing, their fancy little thing. No one knows what it is, right? Yep. You get to PI planning, and they bring it up, and the team's like, that's all impossible for these four reasons. <laughs> well, okay. So that's fair. I don't, like... Yeah, we don't want the teams to be surprised with features. But who is representing the teams in your whole feature grooming? You should have somebody. You should have a tech lead of some sort I mean, grooming you, features. You might. You don't have to. You have to. I, I think, think you do. I think you... For that reason. I think we definitely do because there's job size. Well, I think... So, yes, and I think you can... You, in some cases, can trust your architect to, to handle that. In some cases. Okay, sure. I think... Especially if you're getting into some specifics. We've, we've seen tech leads or whatever go into that stuff. Which works well, but I think you should socialize a feature outside of just your feature yes. refinement. Yeah, but it shouldn't be, your, your yes, your team shouldn't be surprised on PI planning days with, with the features that are... That's as far as PIP. 
Pips. Gone. Gone are pie days. Pips. So okay, we're we're talking about feature social socialization, which I've never been able to say very well. Feature socialization. I I'm not a socialist. So I'm not used to I'm those. I'm a feature socialist. <laughs> You're a feature socialist. <laughs> Name of the podcast. <laughs> feature socialism. Feature, be, feature socialism. That'll be it. All right. Uh, I love it. Oh, man. So, I th- yeah, I think it's because, I don't know, the, the, the mindset change of an organization requires leaders to somewhat drastically change their thinking from the ways that they've been doing it. And when they become no longer the answer person, then they, they have like, there's like a little defensiveness sure. and a little bit of wanting to try to own something that isn't theirs. But then that kind of creates this this drive between your product team and your development teams. Yep. And now you're not getting any of the, the socialism you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a different leadership structure that results in socialism. <laughs> That's right. I think we're going to have to bail on this analogy. <laughs> the socialism thing? No. Uh, but that does, I feel like every single one of these episodes, when we talk about the challenges we face... It comes back to leadership. It comes back to the mindset of agility and saying we have to trust our product teams, which means they have to be involved in the process of grooming features so that their voice can be heard. It's, it's one of the reasons when you start getting too specific on roles and responsibilities, especially with the product teams there, you're almost doing yourself a disservice because you're like saying, you only do this, I only do that, you know, get out of here. Yeah. I was like heavily redacted some things <laughs> I was going to say there, Brett. That's fair. But, <laughs> But that, I mean, that, that drives a divide that you're trying to avoid. If you say, well, you guys are responsible for that. We'll do our thing. You do your thing. See you in, in, in 10 weeks. 100%. Courtney, have you talked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't we teach a class together? I swear. Apparently, this is very memorable for Jake. <laughs> I, I actually don't know. We might have. It would have I been thought it was like, like Scrum Master. It would have been like in February or something. Yeah, February or March. I don't know. I taught like a few classes back-to-back between um, POPM and the first Scrum Master um, SSM. So... You ever read your feedback? Yeah. Any, any good juicy stuff in there? Uh, man, I feel like I should be pulling it up right now. Um, Let's put that down in the show notes. Next time we're doing performance reviews live. Yes, live performance reviews. <laughs> we're just going to read about. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to do your first class, but you just got to get over it. Yeah. 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 You just got to get over it. Did you, your first class, Did how much did you prepare for that? Oh, a lot. A lot? So much. Yeah. Oh yes. No, Every. I don't I, even know if I'm teaching that day when I wake up. Yeah. It's yeah. I've I've really. I've, I mean, you get used to it because all the classes yeah. have share like forty percent of the slides, so you know, like I can do the principles pretty yep. easily. I can do the 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 seven core competencies of business agility pretty yeah. easily. Well, let's talk safe certification real quick because you just touched on one of my pet peeves in safe, which is the the reused content across the different courses. Yep. If you want to become Scrum Master or Product Owner or Product Manager or anything, you're going to sit through the same half a day consistently through the whole thing. Yeah, so the one that makes me the most upset and that we've stopped implementing is, and I never taught it, but it's the... um it's like the safe software engineer or something. Oh yeah, we haven't. I haven't messed with that at all. Don't, don't, because it's you. You get all these. You get all these developers and technical people in the room who think, "Oh my God, this this buzzwordy framework has finally made a course that's supposed to relate to people who do real work." And then you started it, 
and it has nothing to do with software engineering. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, oh, here's the principles and what you should do and all yeah. this and that. It's like, oh, you're just, these are the, isn't this the exact reason these people don't want to come? You're right, yeah. And that's what it starts with. Have you done DevOps? Uh, I have never led it, but I, I, I was probably in one. Were you? I know we've had a couple of those, but it's pretty similar, isn't it, on, in that way? No, I don't think so. Did you do DevOps? I did do DevOps. I, so I haven't taught DevOps, but I took DevOps in preparation for potentially teaching it. Because so you and I are back, Jake. You and I our background is software development, so it's yes. on the technical side. Courtney, your background is in project management. So I was in a, working with a client, and they were talking about DevOps, and so I was like, well, I know about it, but I should probably go take the thing before I have to teach the thing. Right. So I took it, and it was a really good class. They didn't they didn't do the whole like here's the principles, here's the yeah. safe overview, big picture. They might I forget they might have hit on it briefly, yeah. but we didn't dig into it. And it was very much like a workshop, a like if you could teach it internally, it'd be extremely valuable, more so than just like the teaching. Because it's a let's build out our value stream. Let's go through and figure out like how does this stuff apply to the work that we're doing. So we had to like make up examples because it was in a public class right. or something yep. like that. Yep. Or people are bringing all different aspects from their own companies. But no, it was. I thought that was really good. It was really well run. Yeah, I'd, the, I'd give a shout out to my instructor, but I forget who he is. <laughs> so, yeah, so also a memorable experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, those are good too. When when you can do the internal ones, but the problem is you have to get all the people you need mm-hmm. in the room because if, right. you know, yeah. if you get one group, you're kind of screwed. That, um, and that's something that I noticed as well when I was taking DevOps. We had a couple of folks from a different department. Um, no one from their train um, was on that training, so it was really difficult because you're working together trying to solve something. Um, that I can't remember specifically what the exercise was, but it's going through and seeing where you can eliminate waste and making things more efficient and effective. And so we had people who were just kind of on the outskirts just looking at the, like everybody else do this activity, but they couldn't really add to it because it wasn't necessarily their day-to-day. Yeah, you have to have the right people in the room to have those conversations. And if you if you don't, then it's not going to well, be as effective. For and they're not particularly productive with how people having a decent idea of what systems thinking means and how that works. Because if it, if you get into a protect my kingdom type conversation, you're not going to have success regardless of who's in the room. So. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One thing that always bothered me when teaching is having people who are super, super green coming into specifically safe, not understanding just it in general. There needs to be some sort of intro before. We need to get somebody to like a starting point to actually like – latch on to the information that they're learning for specific roles? Because actually we, on our team, developed an intro to, we, we've now called it Intro to Agility class that we teach for specifically that. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, if you're even thinking about taking a certification and you don't really know what the hell you're talking about, take this instead. We can get it done in three hours. Mm-hmm. It's just a subscription to the iteration station, right? It's, yeah, we just, and we say, listen to all this, yeah. new episodes every two weeks. <laughs> or a year. <laughs> or a year. Or every two years. It's, and, and so that, that helps introduce a lot of the topics right so that when you go to the certification it's not just like what like this this complete migraine that you immediately get because i think we talked about this last time the big picture is the first thing you see and it's like well this is a nightmare yeah, yeah. no it is and for somebody who's never had that exposure before or doesn't even know like what is a user story what are story points what does this mean like what's velocity yeah. like yep. I just feel like it's really overwhelming to a lot of folks if that's their first time getting their feet wet to save content yeah, I think that's fair. And especially if they're not the ones who signed themselves up for that class. So so often it's like, oh, my manager said I had to go get certified in this thing because so we're, we're doing this transformation. So they don't even know why they're there. So we started asking people, 
in their feedback to provide why did you come here. That's and we do that for our intro class as well. And one of the things we say is like, hey, it's okay to put, my manager told me I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Because we want to know how many managers are telling people they have to do this. Right. Like, that's probably not the people we want to be forcing into here. Right. That's um, fair. Yeah, there's got to be, like, we miss so often the context and the connection to, like, why are we doing this? And I feel like in most contexts, that's why I'm using the word context a lot, like establishing the context we're operating from. Why are you going into this class? Why are you taking this certification? And why are we doing this whole safe thing? And this is the part that you play, and this is why it's important for you to understand the material and get certified and and go go through the whole thing. I think we often find, you know, the trainings are what they are. People take it away, they don't practice, they lose all that knowledge, and then apply what they think they remember, and and it's all worse than before. Yeah. Um, But what it does get you is it starts to build relationships across, If you know, we do internal training, so that's important. Um, If you're external, probably not quite as much unless you're trying to get, like, business. Uh, but it, it, you make connections, and now you can like go in and in the moment sort of help. Hey, you had these problems that we talked about in the class. Let's let's kind of examine some of that. You've got it says five product owners. Yeah, maybe we can tackle that. Huh? Um, so. Okay, that's uh, a good topic. <laughs> oh, I was gonna I was gonna pivot a little bit. No, go ahead. No, 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 you can no, go off no. that. You, you Tangential. Tangential. Uh, okay. Would you suggest? Let's say we're going through a safe implementation. We're starting at the team level. Um, would you say? And, and the team's already doing Agile-ish. They're doing some sort of Scrum or Agile. We've got a bunch of teams all kind of doing their thing. Uh, would you encourage going through the certification first for Scrum Masters specifically? I personally like to start with Scrum Masters. Uh, go through the certification first and then run for a little bit and start preparing for PI planning and then do PI planning? Or do you say, let's start preparing for PI planning and then a little bit before PI planning, let's do... Scrum Master certification, so they know what to expect in PI planning. PO certification, so they know what to expect. And teams, so they know what to expect. And then do PI planning. Like, where, with a team that already has some agility baked in, what's what's your preferred? I think perfect world, I'd probably do leading safe first. That or safe for teams. And I would do, yeah, yeah, so I'd I'd do leading safe first. I think you could do Scrum Master product POPM after, but that's like, yeah. that, there's a lot of assumptions like that. You actually have the people in the roles that are doing the thing right. If you're set up to launch with a correct train with people in the right roles, you can do all that. I don't think most of the time you are. Um, and then I think, yeah, if you want to do the safer teams the day before, then right into PI planning, I think into PIP, uh, then that's fine. You, you can do that too at the, at the end. But I do think, yeah, your Scrum Master's POPM if you can, but I think leading safe has to go. I have some issues with leading safe because I think a lot of, I think you need... I think leading safe will tell you the leaders you want to be working with and the ones that you don't. You can tell that from engagement and just from the types of questions they're yeah. asking and things. Like yep. you, you kind of know what you're getting. Yeah. As um, a transformation coach, you probably get as much out of teaching leading safe as, as the people in the room because you're understanding your audience more. Yeah, I know who shouldn't be there anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Versus who should. Yeah, who's phoning it in and right. who can we rely on to be a yeah, agent? Yeah, who went because they had to and they thought it would it would help them yeah. um, uh, versus who actually wants to understand how they can help their teams in the future. Yep. But do you get a say in that? Like, so what? So now you oh, know. Oh, yeah, no. So, so correct. So, no. <laughs> uh, but but you, it does help for, for us of like, okay, we know where we'll be able to be successful. I mean, right now yeah. with, with we have a team of four coaches and, and an enterprise of 32,000 people. It, it helps to be able to target folks in areas that we know will have a higher chance of success due to leadership buy-in. So, yep. so it's internally useful, but actionably not. Right, so, yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of you know who your allies are, who's right. going to help you out in the long term, right. and things like that. And that can help us with prioritizing. Do we want to help this group or this group? Right. They both are about the same size, same impact. Well, we know we'll have more success here. Let's do that first. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. If there's already interest, let's start there. Yeah. Let's let's grow grow that fertile ground, and then hopefully, if there's enough traction around the people, the kind of I don't want to use the term laggard, the laggards. Yeah. Like they'll see other people are are getting on board. And seeing the results and seeing the progress, and then that will maybe pique their interest, and maybe they'll go through the training again. Yeah. Probably not, though. Well, I wouldn't even worry about that. But I think also trying to understand the motivations of the leaders and what things they actually want. Yeah. Um, some want to. Some some are fed up with things aren't working. You know, reaching the tipping point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fine. That's a perfectly good motivation to do change. Some just want to know what's in it for them, how it makes them look better. Great. We can, we can make you look good while we do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like, it's like once you start to understand the, the intrinsic motivation, <laughs> I was about to say, some just want to unlock the intrinsic motivation of knowledge workers. Well, it's, 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 it's well, it is different between bro knowledge workers and, and leaders of their wants and desires. But once you, once you know what your leaders want, you can manipulate that to get the correct results. It's all, it's all about manipulation. Manipulation <laughs> psychology. Put that on the safe scaledagileframework.com. That's right. Slash. How to win friends and influence people. Well, like going back, Jake, to what you had mentioned about either leading safe or, as I mentioned, safer teams. I don't think that it's as beneficial for a scrum master or a product owner to initially take those classes right away. I think about my own experience from that and the very first time that we were introduced to SAFE and started going through PI planning, we had a little bit of an overview. Our teams are already working in a scrum fashion, some teams were Kanban, but it was fine. It was good enough to get started. But then thinking about a few months later, after that first getting your feet wet into um, what SAFE is, uh, I just remember taking um, SAFE for, for Scrum Masters and realize anti-patterns that I was doing um, and just like now that you have the the knowledge and experience of going through the motions it makes much more sense um, going through the actual training because then you can actually apply previous learnings from it and understand you know where you can iterate and make it better or you know the things that the anti-patterns that you are already starting that you need to break those habits I think that it should be fairly quick after the first initial PI planning but I don't think that um, those specific roles, either a product owner or a scrum master needs to take it prior to that. Um, but I also think that if you are a product owner or a, or a scrum master that you should take the respective uh, courses as well. Thinking about how those two um, roles collaborate, I think it's super important that a scrum master understands the basic functions um, of a product owner, thinking, putting their feet in um, somebody else's shoes to understand um, you know, what do they need and how can I as a scrum master support my product owner and vice versa and understanding how that, because then you're building a better relationship, working relationship between the um, scrum master and the product owner. The, the, the yeah, the, the only, the only difference I would say there is if, if you're the type of person who knows you're not going to pay attention to the training, don't take the training. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true, true too. You, yeah. you probably can pass the test and yeah. then you're going to have said you took the training, continue to do whatever you were doing. And it's, 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 but, it damages the movement, damn it. Yeah. That's don't true. do it. If you're so, one of those people, don't do it. Just stay away. I think that's, that's fair, but that's for people who are already doing some, some degree of agile, right? Right. 
So if I had a perfect world and it was a new, like, we're traditional waterfall, new to Agile, all the stuff. If I had a magic wand and could get buy-in from everybody, uh, I would encourage specifically Scrum Masters because they're the coaches for the teams. Like, obviously leadership, we want to teach leading safe and, and get that. But at a different level, at the team level, teach Scrum Master. Then do Scrum Master for a little while, just within your team. Focus on your team. We haven't done PI planning yet. We're getting them ready for that. I'm not a huge fan of the quick start and safe, um, but get your get ready for your pip, and then uh, then go through it, and then go back and do Scrum Master training again. Because now that you've 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 got the book knowledge, you've tried it out, you've struggled through it, you're figuring things out, you're coming across some problems, but there's so much content in a two day course yeah. that you can't apply it. I don't think you can apply it all immediately. I think you have to go back and revisit it. And then see, oh, yeah, we were doing this. These were the problems. But now it makes sense. You see the pieces come together because you understand them more. I think that's perfect world situ- like a scenario. But yes. the problem is, is people do not have the time to take it before and after. Ideally, yes, if you could, that would be the best thing. But realistically. I mean, I think if you, if you made your, I'm thinking in the second increment, if you made your IP iteration, hey, we're going to go back and redo this and try to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that is a that's a part of what you should. That's be true. Doing. There should be time for that, and that's honestly that shouldn't even take you know it takes two days or whatever of your final iteration. So there there should be enough time for that. Obviously, the IP iteration for some of those roles, POPM, Scrum Master, and and leading say for all a little bit. That's kind of a crazy week, right? Um, but I think it is important if to go back and say, all right, what things did I not didn't sink in the first time, or now make more mm-hmm. sense um, as a result. So yeah, I think I, I think that's a that's a good plan too. Yeah, I like it. All right, solved. Solved. We've done it. We fixed safe. Right, we've built a new implementation roadmap. <laughs> yeah, just now. For yep. Just dartboarding. Yep. You gonna send um, that off to Dean? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, we'll we'll reply to his email. I won't. <laughs> I, I've been blocked on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we're not. I don't think we're friends on LinkedIn. Or they're not friends on LinkedIn. Where the connections? connections. We wouldn't want to. They're not friends. No. No. Well, no. Listen. To be a friend of Dean's. Man. Your name has to be Dean Leffingwell. <laughs> it's the only way. Oh man, it's true. What do you think, Brett? Uh, I think we've I think we've hit on all the things that were really important, except pre PI planning. We talked about it. Then we talked yeah. about feature socialization. We, and feature we socialism. Feature socialism. We talked about training and preparedness for your pip, your first pip. What What about uh, so going back to um, socializing those features? I mean. What have you seen as success in the past of teams getting like what's the right amount of information for a team and when? So I think I, this is this is my thought on it, and I honestly it's it's something that you take from before you were doing safe at all. You would generally have some amount of departmental meeting where you're like, hey, this is the things we're doing this year. There's no reason that needs to stop. Right. We, we yeah. should have roadmaps that have that stuff, yes. and then that can inform. We have trades who are running into issues of like hey, we're not actually ready for the work that's coming in because we don't want to, like, we're not technically capable of it right now. And so they're not, like, preliminarily doing things to be ready for upcoming work in, in the in the roadmap as a result of that roadmap not existing. Yep. Um, so I think if you if you build out roadmaps for two, three, four PIs ahead, and then you're doing those types of meetings, whether it's the product leadership team, preferably be the product leadership team along with the people leadership team coming together and saying, hey, here's the things we're going to do. You know, our architects are, are going to help us out to get ready in this way or that way. Uh, we've coordinated with whatever DBAs, server-side things that we need, and we're like, this is our plan to move forward. It seems like we used to do that before. 
safe in, in a lot of places of like, hey, we're going to do a little departmental meeting or team meeting, whatever. Everybody gets together and we talk about how great everything is. Um, we sort of lose some of that because we think, all right, well, well, we'll tell everyone and then they'll know what they're doing for 10 weeks. Yep. And then we'll tell them again. And, then, and so then you can be like, well, what if I can't do the thing you want me to do in that 10 weeks? It kind of falls apart. Yeah. Um, so I think roadmapping can still be really important. And it's uh, to me, that's a part of the, the pre-PI planning activities that you just need to do that I think gets lost a little bit. Yeah, I think you, you hit it right on the head. And it goes back to the context thing as well. I, for me to really understand the feature that I'm building and delivering, I have to understand how this feature fits into the broader context. Um, it's not just enough to have the feature definition. I know we want to say, like, if, as long as you have your benefit hypothesis and your acceptance criteria, you should be able to build the thing. But there's an understanding of the feature that goes into, like, when you understand how it fits into the big picture, then you as an individual contributor, as a developer, you can say, this is obviously in scope. This is obviously not in scope. And there's a lot of those decisions you can make that will help you then say, okay, this is what's possible. This is what's not possible. And if you see it as a knowledge worker and you're like, well, I have 100,000 questions about this. Yeah. And you can list out some that are really high, like impactful, that maybe the product team didn't think about or didn't know about technically. You've, you're avoiding a, a derailed train or whatever your, your book was. That yeah. You were yeah. yeah. <laughs> the art train wreck. Of, of art of avoiding a train wreck. Is um, it the art of avoiding a yes, train wreck? Yes, it is. It's is it 100% right. Isn't that great? That's well done. It is pretty good. It's like it's like it's safe from the trenches, basically. It's good. Yeah. Safe from the trenches. Okay, hang on. Hold that because that needs to be an episode title. That is the, the name of the podcast, this official safe podcast or something like that. It's a section of the safe business agility podcast. We can't use it. We have competition. Don't plug their <laughs> podcast. Cut that when you have They're it. not competition. They're the company that gave us <laughs> our certifications. Well, they got their own podcast. They're competition. They do. Yeah. The safe business agility podcast. We could pivot at any time. This podcast could be exclusively potty talk at any time. This is true. <laughs> potty talk. You sound like my kids. Uh, yeah. uh, Courtney, my goodness. I mean, you really pulled us back on track there for a second. Did but, I? But is, you won't fool us. But you won't fool us. We're trying to end this damn thing. <laughs> are, are, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Iteration Station. Thank you. Episode what? 16? Uh, I think 11. 11. <laughs> 16 in my heart. That's right. 11 on paper. Sweet 16. And you know what? I think that, that we've proven that we're back, we're better than ever, and we'll see you in two weeks. You're listening to the Iteration Station. Thank you.